You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, your boy, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. As always, guys, I hope you have a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. You always know that I greatly Greatly appreciate it. This episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored, as always, by our wonderful friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure, guys, when you sign up for DraftKings to use our promo code THPN. And as always, tell them that Neil Villapiano sent you. And especially jump on DraftKings right now because college football, as you'll hear from our promo uh, later on in this episode, college football is underway, ladies and gentlemen. One of the most exciting times of the year, other than hockey season, is that college football is underway. And very, very quickly, um, we are now done with the NFL preseason. And so now there's going to be NFL football coming up very, very soon. So make sure you guys are on DraftKings. You used our promo code again, THPN. And you tell them that your boy, Neil Villapiano of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, was the one that sent you. Folks, we have, uh, as always... A lot to talk about here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. The first thing we're going to talk about is uh, I'm going to read to you basically an article that I wrote for Inside the Puck. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Inside the Puck is a um, hockey writing blog le- website. 
um, which basically we we have guys that cover a bunch of the teams in the NHL, and we just write articles every week. I write a new article that goes out on Wednesdays, um, so make sure you guys check it out. And I share it on my socials, both on my personal and on Devil's State of Mind socials as well, because it's all going to be Devils related. But I wanted to read read to you the one that I had um, posted last week. Um, and it's mainly an opinion piece. It's not about, you know, confirming anything or guaranteeing anything. It was more of just an opinion piece because I like writing those. I like giving my opinion. That's why, obviously, I love doing Devil's State of Mind because I love to give my opinion and my feelings to all of you lovely people. So we're going to do that. And then I decided to have the second part of this episode be more of a Q&A. So I put it out on Devil's State of Mind's Twitter at Devil State and also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind for you guys to give me some questions that uh, I will answer and we will kind of go from there. So shout out to everybody who uh, messaged me and gave me a question and I will shout them out. You know, when I read the question, I'll make sure to acknowledge who... Um, who obviously uh, asked me the question and everything like that. So there we go. So as always, guys, we have a bunch to get to here on the Devil State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So as I mentioned before, we will kick things off with the article that I wrote for Inside the Puck. Uh, once again, I write new articles that come out every Wednesday, just revolving around the devils, whether it's opinion pieces or writing about news that has happened and things like that. Um, I wrote an article two weeks ago talking about why Jesper Bratt's one-year contract with the devils is beneficial for, for both him and the team. And then this past week, I wrote an article that is titled the following. I think a lot of you have already seen it already, but if you haven't already, make sure you go check it out. Again, Inside the Puck uh, dot com. And then you'll see it's one of the more recent um, articles that have been written by yours truly. The article is titled, Should the Devils Pursue David Pasternak? Now, if you remember a couple months ago, right around the early stages of the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, The Athletic, I forgot who exactly wrote it off the top of my head, but I know somebody who was writing for the Boston Bruins on The Athletic, they wrote an article that's that basically said that David Pasternak was very much unhappy with uh, Don Sweeney as the general manager, who was the general manager of the Boston Bruins, and uh, that probably Pasnog would lean much more uh, to going to a new team after this next year than sticking around in Boston. Um, I know the Pasnog's agent came out, and especially he came out on TSN and said that that was not true. He does not know where that came from, and that they would begin contract negotiations on an extension because Pasternak's, uh six-year deal uh, that he signed a couple of you know, about five years ago now um, comes up at the end of the season. And I'm sure the Bruins would love nothing more than to get David Postnock signed to a long-term deal to keep him Boston Bruin for the good majority of the rest of his career. Um, but as you can see, as we are now approaching the month of September and getting much, much closer to the start of training camp, um, no deal has been um announced or even gotten close to. And also I did hear that David Postnock has pretty much put uh, contract negotiations uh, on pause. And it sounds like he wants to focus more on just being healthy and getting ready for the upcoming season, which I know for some Bruins fans that probably would make them a little bit nervous and why it obviously leads to people uh, with speculation. And none of this for me, as I mentioned before, this is all going to be basically just, you know, opinion piece. There's no speculation here. There's no, uh, truth to the devils, you know, being involved in anything. I just wanted to make, I just wanted to bring this up. I thought it would be kind of fun. I know a bunch of you um, read it 
and uh, had some words about it. And I fully understand that. Um, and same thing with some Bruins fans as well. Um, obviously, nobody wants to hear one of their more important players be involved in going to another team. I know Devils fans fe felt that way uh, over the last couple of uh, months when it came to Jesper Bratt and everybody saying stay away from Jesper Bratt. It's the same thing with Bruins fans. So, again, this is fully an opinion piece, and I kind of went into as much detail as I could. And once I'm done reading it, I'll kind of give a little bit more detailed explanation and a full recap of the entire article to kind of give you guys a better understanding of, of just why did I write this article and why, you know, it makes sense if the Devils do decide to do this. And obviously a lot needs to happen for this to happen, but why it makes a lot of sense. So here we go. <clears throat> so it starts with this. It's no secret that the Devils have a potentially dynamic offense for years to come. With the likes of Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, Yegor Sharangovich, Dawson Mercer, and Alexander Holtz, there's no telling what this team can do offensively. However, you're always looking to improve your roster and take your team to the next level. The Devils swung and missed on landing the top free agent winger in Johnny Gaudreau after he, he spurred the New, Jer uh, New Jersey for uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. However, there will be a huge ton of scoring talent on the market in 2023, free agency, I meant. One in particular is not only one of the top goal scorers in the league, but a young superstar in his prime. This man has scored 30-plus goals in five of his last six seasons, has won the 2019-2020 Maurice Richard Trophy, uh, a two-time All-Star and All-Star Game MVP, 12 career hat-tricks, and just over 500 points at just the age of 26. That man is the guy they call Pasta. That player is David Pasternak. David Pasternak is entering the final year of his six-year $40 million deal. He signed with, with the Boston Bruins in 2017-18. He is due to get a massive pay rise and even become one of, if not the, highest paid player in the NHL starting in 2023. This is this especially due to the amount that Johnny Gaudreau got this past free agency. It's very important that the Boston Bruins get a long-term deal done with its marquee player. However, it's late August, and not only does a deal uh, seem close, not seem close, but the Czechia forward has some regrets with not winning anything in Boston, according to Pasternak himself. It roughly translates to this. Now, last week, Pasternak um, was interviewed by a Czechia um, sports website, I think it is. Um, and again, this was very loosely tra uh, translated. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people used Google Translate, um, and this is the best that I could get. Uh, from it. Um, and I saw some people who are Czechia um, that kind of explained that that was pretty close to what Pasternak was saying. Uh, but it, but Pasternak in the article said roughly, quote, now I'm going into my ninth season and I haven't won anything yet. Time flies and I regret it every year. On the other hand, I'm healthy and I'm not worried about preparing for the new season, which I haven't been able to do in the last three years, end quote. And then I I said, yikes, if this isn't if this isn't the reason that number 88 hasn't been extended yet, that leads many to believe that this may be Pasta's last year in Boston. If he does become available, then the New Jersey Devils should not only pursue him, in my opinion, but that New Jersey is the perfect place for Pasta long term. Let's explore the reasons why that is. So, again, this is an opinion piece. I know I've said it several times, and I'm sure some of you are like, all right, we get it. Yeah, we know it's an opinion piece. But. I have had situations where people immediately jump the gun without reading the article and everything like that and immediately just assume that I'm saying that 
uh, Pasternak is going to leave the Boston Bruins for the New Jersey Devils. I will just tell you guys as honest as honest as I can be that I think the chances of this happening are not that high um, for a multitude of different reasons. And I didn't write it specifically in the article, but I'll talk about it in greater detail once I'm done. But I want to tell you that there's probably a more likely chance that Pasternak does indeed sign an extension at some point. I would be somewhat surprised if Pasnak was in another uniform uh, when the 23-24 season began. But again, a lot can change between now and when we get to that point. So that remains to be seen. But here's the first point I made. He feels a huge need for the Devils. The Devils were one of only six teams last year to not have a single player reach 200 shots on the season. Although both I think it was I think Jesper Bratt was just a couple of shots away from 200 and I think Dougie Hamilton as well so obviously that wouldn't have made a huge difference in regards to the Devils making the playoffs and all that but still you don't want to be in a situation where you don't have at least one maybe two guys to have 200 plus shots especially with the talent that we have when it comes to shooting the puck that's not great for a team that prides themselves on shooting the puck at will as well as scoring nonstop. The Devils do balance their shots on a bunch around the core they have, which is fine. However, you certainly need a guy who has a nose for the goal and doesn't hesitate. David Postnock is that guy. Now, I'm not saying someone or more than one guy in the Devils right now can't become that guy. However, if we were to believe that there are more passive than aggressive forwards on the roster, then it makes 1,000% sense to find the one top guy that can carry a bulk of the scoring. Like I mentioned before, Pasternak has scored 30 or more goals in five of his last six seasons. No doubles player since Taylor Hall's 2017-18 Hart Trophy season has even reached 30. Although, to be fair, if Jack Hughes had been fully healthy the entire season, um, he probably would have reached 30. And I think that if Jesper Brad had had a couple of more games where he was on his, um, on his top game, I think he would have reached it too. Anyway. Um, although Jack Hughes and Jesper Braz, I mentioned, got, got close this past campaign. So um, it's funny how, like, I'm reading this article and uh, I keep interrupting myself by saying things that I've already put in the article. Adding that type of consistent high-level scoring to the roster would be absolutely phenomenal. If you're adding a guy like Pasternak to a top line of Jack Hughes and potentially Alexander Holtz, you're looking at maybe the best top line in the NHL for years to come. And this is with the assumption that Holtz really, really gets himself going in the NHL. And if he's here, because obviously, you know, you never know what could happen with regards to trades and stuff like that. And he is mentioned later in this article again, as I'll, as I'll uh, talk about. Granted, lots has to happen for this to become reality. But if it all goes to plan, I wouldn't be the opponent. I wouldn't want to be the opponent's goalies or defense. Here's the second reason. Pasta brings recognition and star power to New Jersey. It's very safe to say that Pasta is a superstar and one of the best players in the game. He also is one of the most recognizable as well. From his hilarious Dunkin' Donuts commercials to his Barbie Girl interview, Pasternak has been in front of the camera and in front of many eyes around the world for a while. The Devils don't have a guy like that at the moment. Yes, Jack Hughes is and will probably be a superstar at some point in his career. However, he isn't there just yet and many still don't even know, really know who he is or what team he plays for. Having a guy like Pasternak would force more fans, not just in New Jersey, but all over the world, to pay attention to the team from the Garden State. Now, I fully understand with some Devils fans um, coming at me and saying that that's that's BS that you're saying that Jack Hughes, you know, isn't recognizable. I'm just trying to take my fan out of it 
the fan in me out of it and thinking about it from an outsider's perspective. How many, like, how many people, like, especially like overseas, right? Like all over the world, how many people really know who Jack Hughes is? Like, how many people really know Jack Hughes and what he's been able to do? I mean, there's still a lot of people out there that believe that Jack Hughes is a bust. Like, there aren't, pe- there isn't like a situation right now where, we, where everybody, including non Devils fans, could 1000%. Uh, agree that Jack Hughes is going to be a star in this league. Many people believe that he is still going to be a bust net because of his injuries and things like that. He will never live up to the potential that he actually has. That is why. Do I like that situation? No, but it's the reality that a lot of people have when it comes to it from the outsider's perspective. There isn't that when it comes to David Posnock. There just isn't. There isn't a single person out there that doesn't believe that, Je- that David Posnock isn't one of the top five best players in the NHL right now. Like there just isn't. And anybody who says that there isn't probably isn't watching the game on watching the NHL on a day-to-day basis. Anyway, the team does have major followings from places like Switzerland because of Nico Hischer and even Slovakia because of guys like Simon Nemetz. Can you imagine the following and notice the team we get in Czechia and around the globe if David Posnok suits up for the red and black? It would definitely move the Devils from what many consider to be an irrelevant team to a popular one overnight. Its personality on and off the ice would work well with the personalities we have on the roster, as well as bring more fun to the Prudential Center each night. And again, because of the th- reasons I labeled earlier, it, it just makes a lot of sense from, you know, just the locker room and personality standpoint. So with all the reasons and benefits to why the Devils should pursue Pasta if he becomes available, that leaves a few questions. Should the Devils trade for him or wait to see if he hits free agency? Can the Devils afford him? Would he want to come to New Jersey? All those questions. So let's answer each of those. First one. Should the Devils trade for him or wait to see if he hits free agency? This is the first question to answer if the Devils want to go after Pasternak. While the Devils could certainly give the Bruins a very enticing offer, I think the trade route isn't the best course of action for a few reasons. Um, And again, considering how the Devils, in many people's eyes, and and there's evidence to it, the Devils have one of the top three um, deepest farm systems in the NHL right now. And they have a lot of guys that they could move um, that they'd be willing to move, I think, in my opinion, along with draft compensation as well, to make a big deal like that. Uh, because again, we have pretty much established the core. There's some young guys that still need to prove themselves. We have some other guys that are going to be locked up pretty long term, especially on the back end. And so the Devils know that they have the uh, firepower to make an offer to not just for a guy like Pasta, but make an offer for a lot of guys that could be traded. Um that could be very interesting for other teams. Um, you know, I think about when uh, Alex Debrinke got traded from Chicago to Ottawa, and I look at what Ottawa ended up having to give up. I laughed at it because I said to myself, the Devils could have if they really wanted to go after Debrinke, and who knows if they really wanted to. But if they wanted to go after Debrinke, they could have given the the Blackhawks a much better offer for Alex Debrinke than probably the Senators did. That's no knock on the Senators because I think the Senators could have given a better offer. I just think that in that situation, that was the deal. I think it was just one of those things where the Blackhawks waited too long and uh, they had to take the best deal that they could get at that point. So, you know, who really knows? We don't always know the behind the scenes stuff, now do we? Anyway. The first is that the Bruins may not, may just not want to trade pasta and get a deal done. This also applies to the free agency route as well. The second is that the Bruins may not feel the package justifies pasta's value, even if this was a trade deadline move. The third is simple. Why would the Devils trade for this player if they could just get him in free agency for nothing more than just money? 
The fourth reason is that no deal should be made unless Postnock and New Jersey agree to an extension right then and there. So the answer to this, in my opinion, is for the Devils to just wait it out until free agency of next season and put a full court press to sign him. So I've had people say this to me before when I've mentioned Postnock in previous tweets and stuff like that. A lot of them say the same thing. Why would the Devils trade for Postnock when if, if he goes free agency, they could just wait and just go after him then? I agree with that 100%. But if the Devils are in a position where they could acquire Postnock and get him to sign a long-term extension right then and there and not have to worry about free agency, I think the Devils would be more interested in doing so. But if you're a team like the Devils, who is still just trying to get back into the playoffs for the first time since 1718, right? And let's say you're making a run at the playoffs and you're in good position, um, you know, do you really feel confident that you can get Postnock to sign long-term? Because again, for Postanok, he has played in the playoffs in almost every single year that he's been in the league with Boston. He's been to the cup finals with them. And he would go from a team like that to a team like New Jersey, who has made the playoffs once in the last decade and is still waiting for the breakout that we all need um, and that the organization needs to finally get going. You know, so you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's tough that way. It's tough that way for, to do a signed trade. But I think any trade that the Devils make for Pasta has to be a signed trade. Like it has to be that a they spoke, the Devils spoke to Pasternak and they were able to get him to sign a deal after getting traded, a long-term deal, and go from there. I don't think Fitzgerald would do it otherwise, just being very honest. So the next question is, can the Devils afford him? If he gets the free agency and the Devils want him, how much would they need to sign him uh, for and can the Devils afford it? Pasternak should make well over $10 million per year in his next deal, regardless of where he ends up. So if you're the Devils, does offering a seven-year, $10, million per season contract be enough to sign the will-be 27-year-old? That's more on Pasta and his agent to answer that questions, to answer those questions. Because I think the Devils would be okay with it, especially because, um, you know, the Devils still have to figure out Jesper Bratt's long-term deal, which I still believe is going to happen. But I think even with that, they're still going to have a lot of money because the salary cap is going up and they don't have a whole lot of guys locked up for next season. They're going to have a lot of open spots, uh, even for some young guys as well next season. You know, and you just look at it. There aren't, like I said, there aren't that many guys locked up long term. But will the Devils have the cash to splash, so to speak? According to Cap Friendly, which always comes through very clutch, the Devils will have almost $37 million in cap space next year. And it's crazy to think about that, considering the fact that Devils are nearly at the salary cap, um, right at almost at the cap, uh, going into this upcoming year, which I don't even remember the last time we were even that close. This, of course, is before a potential Jesper Bratt long-term deal and other moves. Even after that, and I was mainly focusing on the Jesper Bratt long-term deal, and I'm thinking, you know, like seven, whatever it is, seven, eight years um, seven and a half, eight million dollars, whatever they want. You're still looking at 25 to 28 million dollars left to give someone like David Posnock what he wants. Remember, the Devils will only have eight players on contract after the 22-23 season. Their core guys, other than Brad, Jack Hughes, Nico Keisher, and Dougie Hamilton, also Andre Pilat, I think you could kind of make an assumption that he's probably part of that. Same thing with John Marino and Jonas Siegenthaler and guys like that who are locked up for three, four, five years could be a part of that. Um, are locked up long-term. So they could do a lot of things to build the team around them for years to come. 
And I think that's basically what Tom Fitzgerald wanted to do. I think when he came in, I think he wanted to establish the core. He wanted to get a good idea as to who are the three, four, maybe five guys on the team that he knows are going to be here long term. And, you know, he can just build the team around. And then he's just going to kind of he has those guys and then he's just going to put the pieces together, whether with uh, young guys, you know, veterans, a combination of both, whatever the case may be. That's the way that uh, Fitzgerald, I think, has wanted to build this team. Very similar, in my opinion, to how Colorado has done things. This leads me to say that the Devils can't afford to give Pasta all the money and pork roll. And yes, it is pork roll. uh, He could want. However, the final and biggest question still remains. Would David Pasnock want to come to New Jersey? And this is the most important one, in my opinion. Because if you get past the first two questions, right? You get past that and you're on to this one. It's now a situation of... Is you know is New Jersey are the Devils attractive enough to a guy like Pasternak to come here? Because I firmly believe that New Jersey has a lot to offer when it comes to living and it comes to being not far away from the shore, especially when you think about where the Devils play in Newark, down to the shore by New York City. They have a lot of avenue. They have a lot of things like that. But you have to also look at the culture. You certainly have to look at the coaching staff. You have to look at the talent on the team. You have to look at the direction. And I think a lot of that is what persuaded Dougie Hamilton two years ago to sign with us long term. I think there was a factor of, you know, where the team uh, had been playing, you know, with regards to on ice performance last couple of years. I think that might have been a factor as to why Johnny Gaudreau didn't sign with us. But I also think it was just because of the fact that he grew up a Flyers fan and didn't want to didn't want to do that. Also, he'd be playing in the same state he grew up in. And if we're to believe that he wanted to play closer to home, but not too close, then obviously, I guess the Devils just didn't make sense. I still think that a lot of what Johnny Gaudreau is saying is a crock of shit, to be honest with you, but it is what it is. Uh, This is the question that we ask when it comes to a star player deciding whether or not to play for your team. Does the team fit his style? Is it a great place to live for for me and my family? Just talking in first person. Do they have the money to pay me what I want? Can I win here? These questions can only be answered by the player themselves. The organization themselves can put out a whole thing and just present it to the player. And then it's kind of just like, it's kind of up to you. That's what the Devils did with Dougie Hamilton. They had that video. They had that letter that they sent them as well. Like they really made... Uh, Dougie Hamilton feel wanted and feel mattered. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's how Johnny Gaudreau felt in a way with Tom Fitzgerald when they were. I think that Fitzgerald definitely put a full core press on this and it, you know, it just didn't work out. I wouldn't be surprised if indeed the Devils decide to go after a guy like Postnock that he doesn't do the same thing over and over again because it worked with Dougie. Why does he not think it could work with uh, Postnock? Again, it depends on the player and what they want to do and things like that. It's hard to see Pasnock want to jump to a team that was passed over for Columbus with Johnny Gaudreau. This is especially tough because all signs pointed to Gaudreau coming to the Devils. As Gaudreau mentioned on Spittin' Chicklets, if it wasn't for Columbus jumping in, Johnny Gaudreau would have been a New Jersey Devil, plain and simple. It also begs the question of why would Pasta leave Boston, where he's made the playoffs and had at least a shot at the Stanley Cup, and come to a team that has made the playoffs just once in the past decade? It's easy to then just give up and just forget it. However, there are things that can happen that could change the narrative. The team could get back into the postseason this upcoming year and finally step out of their rebuild. The goaltending could finally solidify and be good. Guys like Brad Hughes and Nico could take major steps forward in their games. The coaching staff can create a system that works for high-quality scorers. 
They also create the same thing they created for Johnny Gaudreau. It's the opportunity of prolonging the player's chances to win a cup. That was the whole thing I said about Johnny Gaudreau. One of the major benefits to coming to play for the Devils is that you come with a young team that has a lot of guys that are ready, that are not even in the prime yet, that are ready to explode on the NHL scene and give you a shot to have more years, especially as you get older, to still be competing for that elusive Stanley Cup. And that still applies to a guy like Pasternak as well. While Boston is still a strong team for right now, and they do have some pieces to eventually rebuild, would Pasternak want to be a part of that and spend years of his prime playing on a team that is more in decline than rise? Again, those questions are up to Pasta himself to answer. Because if you look at Boston going into the season, they did just bring back Patrice Bergeron. They brought back David Krejci. I think both of those guys are on like one-year one deals. Uh, they still have a bunch of other good, talented players like Taylor Hall, obviously, Charlie Coyle as well. Um, I like the goalie combination of Olmark and Jeremy Swayman. You do have still Jacob DeBrusque, who I still think ends up getting moved, but who knows? Uh, you have uh, Charlie McAvoy as well. You have a lot of guys, but some of those guys are going to be out the first two months or so of the season. And who knows if Boston gets off to a strong start anyway. Oh, and also Brad Marchand. I can't believe I forgot Brad Marchand as well. So just to make another point. Um, but there has been some turn turmoil over this year. Uh, Bruce Cassidy got fired, which was kind of a shocker. Uh, Jim Montgomery gets a, another opportunity to be a head coach. Uh, Don Sweeney got an extension. Um, and I think so did Cam Neely or Cam Neely was already on an extension. So there's a lot of like stability still there. But, you know, for David Pasenak, how you know, if he really loves Boston, which I totally understand, would he would he really want to but would he really want to like stay on a team that maybe is going to start declining? I mean, this could be that year. This could be that year where Boston starts to take somewhat of a dive when it comes to that. Uh, I don't doubt that the Bruins can't do a really solid rebuild. And if Postnog is a part of that, that just helps jumpstart it uh, more. Maybe it makes it quicker. Maybe it makes it like a Rangers situation where it's not really a rebuild. It's more of a retool. And then in two, and then like in two years tops, um, they're back to being uh, one of the better teams in the NHL. Like, as possible that way. The Bruins, I think, definitely do have the money to give David Postnock long-term. I don't think that's really a question. I think it's more of just, does Postnock feel that way? And I think a lot of it depends on how this season goes. I don't I don't think that Postnock wants to think about an extension while the season is going on. A lot of players don't usually like to think that way. They would rather prefer to get something done uh, after the season or before it, just so that they don't have to think about it. But you know, if the Bruins start off slow and things are not going well, that the questions are going to start coming up and more rumors are going to come up and more we might talk about this down the road. All in all, there's so much that could happen between now and next summer that could change any chance at all about the Devils and David Postnock becoming reality. However, when you look at all the details and the reasons, it would be an absolute perfect fit for Pasta to make New Jersey his next long-term home. It would be unreal to see number 88 not only lead the Devils, lead this Devils franchise back to relevancy, but bring the Stanley Cup back to the Garden State. Um, I also saw that uh, I've had over almost 150 people uh, check out this article, and I've gotten about 14 likes. So thank you to everybody who has read it already and left a heart. And if you haven't already, please go read it. Um, and also don't forget to leave me a heart. It really means a lot to me. It, it really uh, makes it um, makes it much more of a motivating factor to come to go and, you know, you know, write these articles. And I know that you guys very much appreciate them. So obviously that was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, but I just wanted to bring up those opinion things because David Postnock for me is one of my favorite, if not my favorite player in the NHL right now. 
Um, I love everything about him. I think he's the perfect package when it comes to goal scorer, superstar level, and things like that. And can you imagine a situation where Pasternak is playing with Jack Hughes and or Nico, Nico Heischer? The sky is the freaking limit. You know what I mean? And yes, there are young guys that we have in our system, like Dawson Mercer. Alexander Holtz is the big one. Guys like that that are still unproven that could very well still be great. But the question that I have is this. How many more years does the Devils organization feel comfortable waiting around for these young guys to get going? And we're still, you know, middling around, especially with some of with our core being being close to, if not almost at the beginning of the prime of their career for the most part. So all in all, guys, I just wanted to read that article, give my opinion and point that out. Do I think there's a chance? There's always a chance. I, do I think it's likely? Probably not. But you never know. Hockey's a magical, unpredictable sport, both on and off the ice. So let me know what you guys think on Twitter at Devil State, Instagram at Devil State of Mind. Would love to interact with you guys more about this. And uh, you also, my direct messages are open both on Instagram and Twitter. So if you want to talk to me about it or whatever the situation is, just let me know. Be more than happy to talk. Love interacting with you guys 100%. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly even if your team loses. That is the definition of a win-win scenario. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So now I wanted to shift to um, a, a kind of a fun thing that I wanted to do. I was thinking about it when I was, uh, before I recorded the episode, I was like, what am I going to talk about today? And I knew I wanted to talk about the article that I wrote about David Postnock and the Devils, but I also wanted to do a Q&A. I haven't really done a whole lot of these and I thought it would be nice because I know a lot of you guys love interacting with me, but I, I want you guys to be involved with this podcast as much as possible. Because as I always say, this podcast is for the fans by a fan a collective effort you guys are a huge reason why the po this podcast is so popular on the hockey podcast network and in the hockey world and it means a lot to me and i'm going to continue to um have you guys be involved for as long as i'm doing this so let's get to some questions shall we uh the first two actually come from my good buddy who has been on the podcast before and will be on many more times as we go along. Uh, my good my good buddy, Jersey Joe. Shout out to you, Joe. He actually asked me two questions because, uh, you know, he's always got things he wants to ask me and things like that. So the first one he asked is, you could have a beer with any Devils executives and a few current players on a podcast. Who would help you co-host that pod with them on? Well, first and foremost, Joe, I think... 
because of your expertise, because of a lot of the information that you bring to the table, especially when you and I are talking, whether it's on, you know, Twitter spaces or on podcasts or whatever, you would make pretty much the perfect fit to co-host that one with me. I don't think of, I can't think of anyone else more deserving of that. Um, this wasn't really the question that you asked, but I to ask, to, to answer the question of executives and players, I think for me, when it comes to executives, the three executives that I think off the top of my head that I would love to sit down and talk to are obviously General Manager Tom Fitzgerald, uh, Assistant General Manager Kate Madigan, and also um, basically like, you know, I, I don't know exactly his role necessarily, but basically Tom Fitzgerald's right wing man um, and legendary goaltender Martin Berger. I think those would be the three executives that I would want. As far as current players are concerned, and there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good ones. Uh, I think Nico Heischer would be one. Just, you know, you look at the way he leads this team and his his knowledge of everything, I think, is one. Uh, Jack Hughes, certainly. And then, I mean, there's, again, there, there's so many... There's so many good guys, but I think I would definitely want to talk to Jonas Siegenthaler, which I think would be an interesting one for a lot of people because a lot of people don't recognize how great of a defenseman he actually is. And I think just the fact that, you know, he's now a main part of this team long term and the stability that he brings in the back end, I'd really love to get that perspective. I really would. Um, and as far as like, if I wanted to pick a goaltender as well, it'd probably be Mackenzie Blackwood. I would just like, cause obviously we haven't heard from him in well over, you know, a, a year and change now. Like it feels, feels like we barely heard from him in the last year plus, um, would like to obviously talk to him as well. So that answers the two-parter question, I guess you'd want to say uh, for that one. And, and again, Joe, thank you as always for your questions. His other question is, would you also create your own devil's podcast that we're going to bring on other podcasts and entertainers? If I had the time and the money and the resources to do that, I probably would. Um, right now, obviously, I'm very happy with working for the Hockey Podcast Network and obviously letting my guy Dylan and a bunch of other guys take control of the day-to-day -day operations when it comes to the network overall. But definitely, if the possibility presents itself down the road, I would certainly do it. And all the Devils podcasts that are out there right now, I would reach out to them almost immediately and put them all together. And I think it would be great because you get so many different personalities that could have different types of podcasts that could cover something specific about the team. And then you could have like an overall devil's one as well. I think it would be interesting. I think it would. Do I think it would be, you know, unreal and like the turnout would be great. Um, I think it would for devil's fans. I think that they would certainly go to that network on a daily to listen to stuff. We'd have, you know, writers as well. I think we could create a really great network of devils, writers, bloggers, podcasters, fans, just doing stuff. I think that would be absolutely phenomenal. So maybe we'll see, but it, you know, you gotta, you gotta wait for the right opportunity to do so. But uh, thank you again, Joe, for both of those questions, man. Really appreciate it. Now, this is somebody who I've shouted out before on the podcast and I'll shout him out again. Uh, it's, uh, it's devils adequate or at NJD for life on Twitter um, thank you for the question, my friend. Appreciate it. Uh, this person writes, of the kids, Fabian Zetterlin, Jesper Boquist, Nolan Foote, Alexander Holtz, Simone Nemetz, Tice Thompson, and I'll throw Nate Bastion in this as well. Who makes the doubles lineup this year after that nine-game mark? Um, well, it's kind of like an interesting way you ask the question because it's who makes the team and then also after the nine-game mark because I don't think all of those guys make the team out of training camp. 
Um, but I think when you look at the the way the roster is constructed, because I think the top six is pretty much solidified. The bigger question is who's going to round out that bottom six of our forward group. Just talk about it from the forward group, because Nemetz is the only defenseman on this list. Um, I would say that Jesper Boquist definitely is going to make the team. I think he finally found an identity to his game in the NHL in a role, and that obviously is very beneficial. So I think that he'll definitely make the team. Uh, Tice Thompson, I think, can go either way. He was hurt most of the year, but uh, obviously he made the team out of camp last year, so we'll see. Nolan Foote, again, it's tough because he just sometimes just doesn't do a whole lot, and who knows? Bastion, I think, definitely makes the team for his presence in front of the net on the power play and his physicality, which we certainly need. Uh, I think Fabian Zeldin has a really, really high chance of making the team with what he was able to contribute in a short time in New Jersey, both times that he was here. I think he could definitely make the team. And Alexander Holtz, I mean, he has to. It's more of just he has to, right? I mean, this is the year he needs to do it. And if you remember, Holtz declined to go play at the World Junior Championships a few weeks ago because he wanted to focus on building his body up. And remember, he works with the same trainer and works out as well with Jesper Bratt. So they have that have that going for them. Um, he has to make the team, and I feel confident that he will. Where he gets put on the team remains to be seen. As far as uh, Simone Nemetz, I think because of the fact that our defensive core is pretty much set, Unless he has an unreal training camp where he's just so good that the Devils would be stupid not to keep him up, I think he will definitely start the year uh, with Utica. Because if you remember, he said that he plans on playing in North America one way or the other, whether that's in the NHL or in Utica. I would prefer for him to start in Utica because I know that Kevin Deneen can really develop a guy like him and it would be a nice transition from playing on the um, much wider ice surfaces you play over in Europe to to playing in the more condensed um you know, ice is here in North America. That's what Alexander Holtz talked about when he first came over, learning that type of, um, that way of hockey, you know, with the, the shorter ranks, so to speak. Uh, but hopefully that answers your question. Uh, that was adequate. And again, thank you so much as always, my friend, for uh, for your question. Appreciate it. So I also had people um, ask me questions on Instagram as well, at Devil's State of Mind. And I obviously there there was a couple. Let's see, there was a one, two, three, four, five, six. There were about six questions that uh, people asked. So thank you guys so much for your questions. The first one comes from D N B E R M E J O. Thank you very much. He says projected lineup. Now for the first time in a while, I would say that this is going to be very tricky. And there's going to be a lot of times where there's just going to be disagreements with what they think that makes the most amount of sense. So. Um, you know, again, just giving, my, uh, giving what my prediction, I think, is going to be. Uh, first line, I would probably say it's going to be Jesper Bratt, Jack Hughes, and either Sharon Govich or uh, Alexander Holtz. I think that just flips depending on the situation. Second line, I think you have Andre Palat, Nico Heischer, and again, one of Sharon Govich or um, Alexander Holtz. Because again, the Devils are counting on Alexander Holtz to be on the top six. If he doesn't, I don't know if the Devils would feel comfortable with him uh, playing, starting the season in the NHL on the bottom six. I just don't think they would. Um, as far as third line is concerned, this is where it gets kind of interesting because it's like, do you want to play Mercer on the wing? Would you rather him just be on the center line? Like, you know, what can he do? Because I know he could play both. But I think in this situation, because of the fact you have Eric Hala, I think that ends up moving Mercer to a winger position. So I think in that regard, you probably have um, 
You probably have Mercer on the left, Eric Hall in the middle. Then on the right side, I think maybe Fabian Zetelin. You know, you have that two speedy guys with Eric Hall. That's a pretty fast third line. So I think that that would make kind of like a good amount of sense. And then you have like that physical fourth line, which I think you'd have of Miles Wood, uh, Nate Bastion, and... It's, again, kind of a toss-up, but maybe you move Boquist to the wing and make him that fourth-line winger, um, although he had more success as a center. Uh, but I think the Devils are going to test out a bunch of things and go from there. So that would be the best when it comes to projected uh, forward core. As far as the defensive core is concerned, it's a little bit little bit easier. I think it's just a matter of placing guys in the right spots. I want to put Siegenthaler and uh, Dougie Hamilton together on that first line because I think that they mesh very, very well together. Second line, I would put Ryan Graves and Damon Severson, you know, again, giving Severson top four minutes because of the fact that he may be out the door, um, you know, this year, depending on how everything goes. And then you have that third line pairing, which I think is going to be Brendan Smith and John Marina, who we just acquired from Pittsburgh. And then if you want to carry a seventh defenseman, I think it would be maybe Simone Nemetz or Kevin Ball or something like that or even Mason Geertsen as an extra forward or extra defenseman, who knows. But I think for Nemetz, it would make just a lot more sense for him to go down to Utica and play than be, you know, kind of going in and out of the lineup while playing up here with the Devils. So that's just kind of the way I look at it. And as far as goaltending is concerned, it's pretty much obvious. It's going to be the combination of Mackenzie Blackwood and Vitek Vanacek. I don't know who's going to be the starter. I don't know how the Devils are going to do this, but that's just the way that I look at it. So that would be my projected lineup for the upcoming season. Again, thank you, my friend, for asking a question. Uh, next one comes from uh, my good buddy, Zach, on Instagram, Zach underscore VL. He says, expectations for this year slash new additions. Um, right at the top, I think when you look at the roster, I think you can see this team being a team that could very well make the playoffs as a seventh or eighth seed if all goes to plan. I also can see them finishing maybe a couple points out of the playoffs. But I definitely feel pretty confident this team could take an, a major step moving forward. And with the additions of the coaching staff, you know, with everybody that's coming in, with, um, you know, Burnett, Ryan McGill, Sergey Breland, they bring a lot of leadership. They bring a lot of veteran presence in there and certainly are going to help Lindy Ruff a bunch. And also Chris Taylor and Dave Rogalski as well um, deserve um, – Deserve some, you know, talking about as well. As far as the new additions are concerned, I think the one that's going to have the biggest impact is probably Vitek Vanacek because of the fact that we need to solidify the goaltending. And this gives Vanacek a chance to really prove himself as a number one guy on a team that's trying to get back into the playoffs. And Vanacek has some playoff experience, which is good. I think it also could be beneficial to pushing Blackwood to take his game to another level. Uh, Pallad, I think, is going to be a very nice addition to the locker room. I think he's going to end up putting up a decent amount of points. And I think if he plays with Nico Heischer, I think he could really elevate his game and really get him to be more of a goal scorer and, you know, kind of also learn a little bit more about being more of a leader. Um, Eric Halla, maybe just, you know, I think he's going to be okay. I think he's just going to be okay. Um, as far as... Uh, John Marino. I like John Marino for the physicality that can, he can bring. He's been um, stable on the back end for Pittsburgh for several years, and he's part of that, you know, core now, him being relatively young. Um, so I like it. I like bringing a little bit more big body to that. And him being the third pairing defenseman on the right side, I think is uh, a luxury for the Devils for not just now, for but for the future um, also. So I, I think all these guys are going to contribute one way or another, but if I were to say who's going to be the Biggest contributor as far as new additions are concerned, my money would be on Vitek Vanacek. But uh, thank you for the question, Zach. Appreciate it, my friend. 
Uh, next one comes from NJ, MJB Devils 23. He says, what's going to happen with Damon Severson? My friend, your guess is as good as mine because it really is a weird situation. I would say, though, I think it's more likely he will be on another team moving forward than with the Devils because although Severson has his you know, really good moments. He also does have some really bad moments. And I wrote an article for Inside the Puck called The Curious Case of Damon Severson because there is, you know, there's a lot of people that like him. There's a lot of people that don't like him. There's a lot of people that see a lot of value in him. And obviously, I think there are teams out there that might give us a decent amount for him. There's also teams that may just wait till he hits free agency. You know, who knows? But I think considering the fact that we have some young guys coming up, especially like a guy like Simone Nemetz and even Luke Hughes down the road, although he plays on the left side, I think it's just going to become more of a log jam. And I think Severson, although he's been here for the long term, I think, you know, he's going to have to be a guy that ends up getting moved. And I think the Devils would probably rather move him than keep him around for the whole year and then just lose him for nothing. Although they could do a sign and trade in the offseason as well if they wanted to do that. Um, and that's where when people talk about the Devils maybe making a trade for a guy like David Postnock, if they wanted to add a NHL veteran player, Severson makes the most amount of sense, especially if the Bruins feel confident they can re-sign him and he stays there. So just throwing it out there. But I think it's more likely Severson won't be here um, by the end of this season. Um, but as always, things can change. But thank you for the question. Uh, another guy that I interact with quite often, uh, it's a good friend of mine, Matt Junio. I hope I said your last name right, Matt. I do apologize. Um, he asked the question, do you think Alexander Holtz will make the opening night roster and look much better than last year? Uh, I would say that there's a very good chance he makes the roster this year. I think he's very determined. I think he'll come in very motivated, and I think he's ready to go. So to kind of simplify it, I think he definitely will. And I think he's going to amp up his goal scoring and really, really become that, you know, showcase why he was picked so highly by the Devils in 2020. So, yeah, I do think he will make the opening night roster. And then you have one more question that comes from my good friend, William.demi. And it wasn't showing his full um, Instagram handle, but thank you, William, for your question as well. He says, who is most likely to play a full 82 game season? Well, considering that we have some evidence of this, I, you could easily say um, Dawson Mercer. He was the only guy that played 82 games last year. Um, I think there's a good chance that he could do it again this year. It's hard to say one of like Nico Heesher or Jack Hughes, although that would be super ideal if they could play every single game. Um, I think for me, the guy that's going to play all 82 games definitely is going to be Jonas Siegenthaler. I know we got hurt towards the end of last year, but he was on pace with Mercer to be one of the two guys that ends up um, playing all 82 games. But I think you should, you could see, you know, he gets through pain a lot. He's very, very consistent and things like that. So I would say Jonas Siegenthaler and maybe Dawson Mercer. I think that those are the two guys, the most likely two guys. Now watch them end up missing a bunch of time. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen, but you know, it, I'm speaking into existence basically right now, but uh, that would pretty much uh, be the guys that I think are the most likely, but you know, again, a lot can change, but thank you guys so much for your questions as always appreciate it. And if you have any other questions that you'd like for me to talk about, whether it's on the podcast or even, you know, just in direct messages, make sure you message me on Twitter at devil state and also on Instagram as always at Devil's State of Mind.